That's the best tip that I can give to anybody that wants to get into this market because just because there are a lot of people in it doesn't mean that it should take you away from, you know, quieting your own voice. I don't think that that's, that's beneficial to anybody because whether you have 10 listeners or a thousand listeners or a million listeners, I think if you can change the lives of, of a couple people and, and make them feel seen and heard and validated through what you're saying on your podcast or your Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever it is, I think there's value in that. Welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. That clip you just heard was Olivia Perez, yet another badass female entrepreneur killing the game. At only 26, she's accomplished so much from starting her own brand, Friend of a Friend, in university to becoming a Forbes writer. In today's episode, we chat about landing her first internship at Teen Vogue, and we discuss is getting a job based on who you know or is it based on your resume, navigating the uncertainty post-grad, starting her own business and platform friend of a friend while in college, and then pivoting her business into a podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, I'm here with the lovely Olivia Perez. Olivia is a journalist, businesswoman, and entrepreneur that splits her time between New York City and LA. She's the founder and host of the podcast, Friend of a Friend, a talk show that dives deep into the next generation of influential people. She's interviewed people like Bella Hadid, Jen Rubio, Maggie Rogers, and has moderated panels for businesses like Shopify and Bumble. She's also a contributing writer to Forbes and has written for Harper's Bazaar, Teen Vogue, and Huffington Post. Graduating from New York City, NYU, Olivia has made her mark as an editorial and cultural archaeologist digging up the best of the unknown to encourage her followers to push past their comfort zones and create their own trends. In addition to that, in 2018, she co-founded System of Service, a community that provides accessible service opportunities for all that strives to create impactful service experiences beyond the dollar. So she's accomplished so much at only 26 years old. So I'm really excited to chat with her with a fellow female podcaster because I really admire the work that she's been doing and the path that she's been on. It's something I would honestly want to achieve myself. So Olivia, I know you grew up um, dancing and I actually danced as well. I did the whole ballet, um, like dance intensives every summer. So very similar to what you did. Um, So growing up, did you imagine yourself um, pursuing that professionally or did you Um, any have any other career um, goals? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I was very, so I started dancing when I was, I'd say five years old and I quit when I was 17, just because I kind of came to that realization where it was like, you're either going to pursue a professional career or you're going to go to school and um, get a degree. And for me, I loved dancing, but I knew I was never like really good enough to kind of go into the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really intentional about taking up that space. So Um, I didn't want to go into an industry where I was going to take the space of somebody else that was really, really passionate about it and really, really good. Um, I think I had the passion, but I wasn't like a superstar. Um, But so, yeah, I decided to go to school. And even though I was dancing and dancing was like my full time hobby, like literally I was there until like eight, nine o'clock every night. Um, all through middle school and all through high school, and then even on the weekends. I was also really interested in fashion and journalism. So my family is, I come from a family of artists. My mom's a photographer and my dad was in the fashion industry, but more on the business end. Um, so I think fashion was always on my mind. And my sister, my older sister had also gone into it as well. Um, so it was something that was like pretty like 
accessible to me. Um, it was a conversation at my family dinner table. Um, so that was something that I, I really loved from a young age as well. And I loved storytelling. I think dance, when you dance as a kid, you're very, very, it's like in your deeply, like deeply seated in you to be a storyteller. Um, and even though that dancing is like storytelling without words, I think I was always inspired um, by the many different iterations of that. And especially I think in the fashion world, um, in terms of just, you know, telling a story with what you're wearing. So I think fashion and journalism were always really interesting to me. And that's what I ended up going to NYU for. Yeah, I was going to ask about your experience um, in university. Did you have like, I'm from Canada, and I went, I was in a business program, and we have these co-ops. So I guess it's called like internships in the States. Did you ever have any opportunities to do those at NYU? Yeah, a big part of why I picked NYU was the fact that I knew I had access to so many different things that would challenge me and really push me in the direction I wanted to go. I I have nothing against kind of like small town colleges. I actually always kind of wish I did that and got the experience of like going to football games and rushing and all of that. Um, but I was really intentional about going to a big city school where I knew that I could apply for jobs and really get as much experience as I could. So by chance and by luck, honestly, I like forever, I'm so grateful for this moment. But the week before I even started school, like this was maybe like two or three days after I'd moved to New York, a friend of a friend was looking for, no pun intended, was looking <laughs> for, she had just started a big role at Teen Vogue and she was looking for an intern. My, our mutual friend was like, hey, I know you love fashion. I know you love journalism. Like this might not be your thing. Meanwhile, it was like literally the dream job I always wanted. Like I remember moving to New York and being like, try your hardest, like get an internship at Teen Vogue. Like that will be like your senior thing. Like that was the goal so that I could go into that once I was done with school. Um, lo and behold, I had the opportunity to, to meet her in person and potentially try to get the internship. And um, I ended up getting it. And it was interesting because it was actually, and like, this is the best piece of advice I always give to people when they're looking for internships. It had nothing to do with what I wanted to do career-wise. Like I got that. I didn't even know what it was for. When my friend brought it up to me, I was like, yes, send me. I'll be there. Like, tell me what time. It ended up being for entertainment, which, you know, having grown up in LA and moving to New York, I was like, wait, I want the opposite of this. Like I went away from entertainment. Um, but I was so eager to work there. And I knew that if I put in my time and I put maybe six, eight months of hard work for that department, I could maybe try and ask to move. And that's what ended up happening. I was there for about a semester and a half. And then I was like, hey, I want to apply for the fashion closet internship. Um, an internship ended up opening up. Um, and I know that I, I think I was competing with a couple other people and I ended up getting it. And I really think that's because I just kind of took the chance and was like, hey, I'm going to work really hard at something I might not like, but hopefully it will get me to the point that I will like. And since they knew who I was and I was, you know, someone in the office already, um, I knew I kind of had a foot up to get the job and I ended up getting it. And it was my dream internship, my second semester of school in New York. So it was really, it was a dream come true. And I'm still so grateful for that experience today because I think it really melded my mind to what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's incredible. And I know that you've worked for other big companies like Glossier, even Ryan Seacrest or like one of his web, um, his companies there. So did you ever in like experience imposter syndrome just because they are like quite big companies and um, you were younger, you might have not had as much experience. So how did you deal with that first coming into such a large um, organization? Yeah, I think I experienced that a lot my first year in New York. I was 18 years old. I had just moved from L.A., I had maybe been to New York one time before I moved there. And here I was wearing, like, this was also the era of, like, Gossip Girl. Like, I grew up watching Gossip Girl. So, like, I was in full head-to-toe outfits going to my classes at NYU really early in the morning, wearing heels, jumping on the subway, going up to Times Square, and working this Teen Vogue job. And it was 
a dream come true, but I think I was always just so focused on the work and getting as much experience as I can, as I could. And I threw myself at everything. I like literally said no to nothing. And I was just so excited to be there that I think, yeah, there was this sense of imposter syndrome that I think a lot of people feel um, in the fashion industry, because I think it is this industry that is from perception, nothing like what it's actually like in person. Um, But that just motivated me to work even harder. And then also once I got out of it, kind of break down the barriers of what it looks like and really, really tell an honest story about it. And like who the people are in the industry that make it what it is and how hard they work and what it's all really about. Um, So I think that gave me that perspective to just keep going and tell an honest narrative about what it's really like. Mm -hmm. And how about getting jobs? You might not, you might only be able to answer this in like New York, but um, for getting jobs and internships, how much is, of it is um, who you know, um, your portfolio versus like showing how keen you are to learn? So how much would you say it's like the breakdown of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky. Like if I didn't know my that one person that knew the girl at Teen Vogue, I wouldn't have got the the job. And I ask this question a lot on my own show where it's like, how much of it is luck and how much is of it your, of it is your real skill? And I think there is definitely a mix of both about being in the right place at the right time. But at the end of the day, you're going to get what you manifest and what you put out into the world and how hard you work. Because you can know as many people as you want in the world and you can have as much access as you want and you can get that meeting. But if you're not there to work and you don't love it and you're not there to, you know, work your ass off. Sorry, I don't know if I can curse, but really really go for it. It's not, it doesn't matter who you know. You have to really, really work hard to get to where you want to be. And um, I want to talk about how you started Friend of a Friend. So you started in university when you were 20, I think. So do you mind telling people who, like, they don't know what it is? Do you mind explaining how you first got started? Yeah, I mean, how I first got started and where I am now are two really different places. Tell that story because I think it's so important to normalize, like, evolving yourself and evolving, like, what it is that you start, especially if you're starting any kind of brand, whether it's a personality brand or a product. What I first started felt really true to the time that I was in. So being at NYU, living in New York City in 2014, it was the peak of like, you know, personality brands and blogs coming to the forefront. So to me, that felt like there was product market fit for it. Um, Friend of a friend was this idea that I, as a 20 year old in New York, like didn't want to keep opening up every single website and see the same things marketed to me over and over and over again. I was seeing these like really cute mom and pop stores on the corner I was being introduced to all these amazing new brands just by kind of being proximate to a lot of them coming up in New York. And I didn't know why people weren't writing about that. There, you know, I wanted to, I was always really eager to discover and find new things. And I never wanted to do just what everybody else was doing. So I started the website and I was writing for it. And I brought on a couple of my other friends at NYU who were amazing writers as well to help me kind of storytell the experience of a, of a young um, transplant in New York City. And even though that was right for the time, as I got older and I started to get more experience and kind of get out there a little bit more, it slowly and slowly evolved as my interest did over time. And today it's a podcast where I interview people who are also as interested about discovering um, new industries and new things as I was back then. So I think it's all about like, I think it's okay. Like, I think it's all about being okay with changing over time. I think there was like a large period of time where I was like, wait, no, like the website is like what I'm known for. And at the end of the day, it wasn't what I was really passionate about, but I was really passionate about storytelling and kind of being this vehicle for people to 
meet and find new things. And I was really excited about the podcast world and I love interviewing. So um, today it's a podcast, as you mentioned, and I think it's been an amazing journey to kind of hone in on what it is that I love and what it is that I'm passionate about. And I'm super grateful for my followers and like the people that have like been fans for a long time that have like been along for that journey too. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you graduated, you, did you decide to focus your all of your energy on friend of a friend or what was your plan kind of post-grad? God, isn't post-grad like the scariest time of life? It's for terrifying. <laughs> no matter what, like, did I have the security net of like my own little thing that I had started that like mm-hmm. maybe I could have lived off of to some extent? For sure. Mm-hmm. But I am like the biggest advocate unless you're like making millions and you like started a company that's like going, that's doing really, really, really well. Like, always get a job after college because working for somebody else, working with people and the things that you learn in an office environment are like that knowledge you'll not get anywhere else, whether it's like running your own company or not. Um, so I'm so, I worked for a company called Spring right outside of school. And I was actually, I was doing something really similar to the world that I was in. Um, I was helping with influencer marketing, but on the back end, and at the same time, my own career, um, on social media was kind of taking off. So it really helped to give me perspective, but I would have never learned how to run my own business if it wasn't for the fact that I took these jobs um, that gave me the insight and exposure to um, how a company should really be run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, were you, when did you start writing for Forbes? Um, was that during university, um, after university and kind of how did you get land that job? Yeah, it was during. So about a year into me having friend of a friend in writing, I was set up with a friend of mine now who was running the Forbes Snapchat and social media channels and the Victoria's Secret fashion show was coming up. It was the first time they had ever done it in Paris and they were looking for somebody young to give a young kind of social perspective of the Victoria's Secret fashion show, but could also speak to the business side of it. So I, again, eager beaver took it. I think I paid for my I like used my money to take my own flight there. And then I ended up like staying with a friend. I like did everything I could to just get myself there. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that I did because I got that opportunity and they loved my coverage of it. And from then they offered me a freelance position to um, contribute to Forbes.com. And they were really looking for a lifestyle perspective, which I think was like a really cool push for Forbes at the time. I think a lot of people like knew it as a business website, but now I see so many amazing stories about um, food, fashion, entrepreneurs, um, a lot of like up and coming emerging things that I think has changed the platform around a lot. And I'm, I'm really proud to been, have been a part of that era for Forbes where they were making that shift. So um, yeah, again, it was another one of those experiences where I was like, absolutely, I'll be there no matter what it takes. And I'm going to do something that I hope they like and will give me a leg up to be able to, you know, have a further career with them. Mm-hmm. And are you continuing writing for them? I know with um, with COVID, it's a little bit hard, but um, have you continued any with that? Yeah, I think again, like it's, I've always been so intentional about the space I took up. And I talked about that earlier a little bit with dancing, but in COVID, I'm not really getting as much exposure as I was to like the behind the scenes things that I was able to write about like a year ago. So I haven't been writing as much um, just to be really intentional about, you know, not adding clutter to the clutter, but I do, I am like, I have been thinking a lot about ways to kind of jump back in there again. And, um, I love writing so much and I love like the, the media landscape right now. There's so much to talk about and I just, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in the right way. So hopefully I'll be back on there soon. Um, but they're an amazing company and their contributor network is incredible. 
And so like, what's a typical day for you like now? And I know that you've mentioned in previous interviews that you're like a a Swiss army knife, that you're a mix between like an editor, content creator, consultant, you kind of do it all. So what is your day-to-day like now? Oh my God, what a question. (laughs) I don't even know. Um, I learned the hard way that when you work for yourself, that you have to create a schedule for yourself as if you are working for a company. So like I schedule meetings with myself. Um, I schedule in times in my calendar to edit the show, my own show or to write um, or to create content for brands, which is also a big part of my job. So a typical day is probably like um, my show comes out every Monday. So there's a lot of like content creation around that. There's a lot of brainstorms um, that I do with my interns. There's a lot of production that goes into every single show. So, mm-hmm. um, I would say most of my days are around kind of getting those together. And then there's maybe like 30 to 40% of creating content for brands that I've been long-term partners of, and I'm supporting what they're doing. Um, but yeah, every day is different. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you have to embrace that and kind of go with it and then do everything you can to stay as organized as you possibly can. Um, so that you really are running your life like a business. Cause if not, it's just, it's not going to work. Yeah. So when you started your podcast, you weren't with Dear Media, is that correct? Yeah, I started it. Yeah. Um, that was a great time. <laughs> yeah. So what's what has been like the big differences being with like a big um, podcasting agency versus like just doing it on your own? Yeah, I think it's everything I just said. It's about process, mm-hmm. about being able to hold yourself accountable to working with a team and working with deadlines. I am the biggest advocate for having a team, no matter what, if you are you know, if you're an influencer and you're working on your own, like bringing somebody on, whether it's an intern or a full-time person, like you have to have a sounding board. You have to have someone that's giving you another perspective and also like holding you accountable to the things that you want to be doing. And, you know, it was, it was a challenge in the beginning because I had never been in the podcast world. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like self-taught. I was Googling and YouTubing, like how to get on an RSS feed and (laughs) how to um, like, how to put a description in and how to record. And I like built a studio in my house based off of YouTube. Um, so it was, re- I really like was a self learner in that sense. But I think, I think it's really important to go through all of those things before you partner with somebody else, like a network or even um, just a regular partner or an investor, whatever it is, like going through that process of learning how to do it myself is always really important to me. Um, because, because then I just value my partner way more. And also like, I know exactly what they're doing. Um, and I can take part in that conversation and my hands aren't so much off the wheel. Like I always like, no matter what, if there's somebody on my team and they're dedicated to something, I also need to know how to do it as well. And I think that's a really important thing. If you're your own boss or you have your own company, like, I don't think you need to be, I think delegating is really important and having people on your team that are specific to things but knowing the process of it so that you can speak to it and take part in it, part in it. And also like make sure your vision is coming to light through what they're doing is super important. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I love listening to your podcast. I know that most of your guests are friends or people that, you know, so like the conversation is very natural. It literally just feels like I'm a friend just listening in to like another friend's conversation. Yeah. And um, when you ask your, your guests to come on, I know most of them are friends, but how do you get over, like, especially if they're like a bigger celebrity and like they're used to being asked favors from a lot of people, how do you kind of get over that? I know it depends on the relation that you have with the person, but yeah. How do you ask that? In full transparency, there are so many people that have come on the show that I've never met before. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent for sliding into DMs. Like I cannot Mm -hmm. tell you how many guests have come on because I slipped into their DM and I've been like, Hey, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like here Mm -hmm. are some episodes that maybe you want to look at. So like you can see the scope of the work and like 
see what you're getting yourself into, but I would love for you to come on. And I think you have to value yourself as much as you value the person that you're asking to come on. You know, I know at the end of the day that I'm giving them a platform to tell their story too. And I don't ever really want it to be like I'm asking for a favor. I want people to genuinely want to be on the show and I want to give people a platform to say their opinions and tell their stories. And I think that's a really important thing. I think there are so many entrepreneurs, storytellers, and just people that don't, there are not a lot of like honest, authentic spaces for them to talk and just naturally be themselves without feeling like they need to be media trained or something like that. So for me, I always want to create that space. I also want to create it for my, my listeners who come on, like I want to come on and listen every week. I want them to feel like they're learning something. And that again, they feel like they're a friend in the room, just listening to a conversation between two people. The goal of the podcast has always been to take people off a pedestal and just have a really authentic, real conversation. And so I think that ethos is carried into, you know, every part of constructing the show. I just wanted to pop in and to say thank you to this week's sponsor, Organica. And Organica is a natural wellness and beauty company from beautiful British Columbia. They love helping people live healthier lives, and they've been doing it for the past 30 years. Some of my favorite products are the veggie broth, and the veggie broth is a blend of real organic vegetables, adaptogenic tremella mushroom, and nutritional yeast. So it's vegan friendly and a really good source of vitamin B. And I also really like their newest product line, the Collagen Effervesce. So it's on the go collagen water. It's just a tablet um, with vitamin C and collagen that you can drop into your water. And it's great for your skin, your hair, and your nails. And I personally really love the cranberry flavor. So check out Organica at Organica.com and follow them on Instagram at Organica Health. Now back to the interview. Um, there's a lot of competition, as you know, in like social media, the editorial industry industry. So what advice would you have for someone that's looking to get into it since there's, there's already so many people? Yeah, it's like, this is like the number one piece of advice that I even give myself every day. And, and when people ask me this question, it's what I always say. Um, competition is great, but there's the market's big enough for everybody, especially podcasting. Um, everybody has a really unique voice. Listeners have the option to kind of dive into four to five shows at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's room for everybody. And I think having your blinders on is the most important thing that I, I say to myself every day. And I say to people when they ask me this question, because analyzing the market and knowing what's around you is really important. Knowing what people are doing, knowing what your competitors are doing is really important. But at the same time, if you can take that knowledge and not let it um, make you feel inferior or stop you from the dream that you want to do and really just put those blinders on and focus on what it is that you want to accomplish. I think that, that's the best tip that I can give to anybody that wants to get into this market because just because there are a lot of people in it doesn't mean that it should take you away from, um, you know, quieting your own voice. I don't think that that's, that's beneficial to anybody because whether you have 10 listeners or a thousand listeners or a million listeners, I think if you can change the lives of, of a couple people and, and make them feel seen and heard and validated through what you're saying on your podcast or your Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever it is, I think there's value in that. Yeah. And and on that note, how do you measure your own personal success? I think by a lot of what I just said, I like, Mm -hmm. I've always seen my podcast as a school. Like I'm not here to teach everybody. I'm here to facilitate conversations where the people who I think are teaching me lessons in my life will teach my listeners things as well. So I think when I get messages from friends saying, Hey, this episode really made me feel so seen or even not even friends, listeners, Mm -hmm. 
if I get messages from people saying like, Hey, I really appreciated this. Cause I've gone through this in my life or, Hey, I really learned something new today. And like, I'm on your show and I'm so grateful because I've never heard anything like that before. That's when I feel some sort of success. It's not about the amount of listeners or mm-hmm. um, about attraction. It's like making people feel like they're being seen through what we're saying is when I really feel successful in what I'm doing, because that's always been the part that's always been the thing that made me want to start the show. No, yeah, I feel the same way. Like when I first started, it was only just honestly just like a passion project that I've just been wanting to start. And as it's slowly slowly growing and like even like five people at the beginning just reaching out like, hey, I really resonate with this episode makes you feel so great. You just want to keep going. Um, But I know with like- Conversations that feel- feel different and feel both informative, but also like you are emotionally connecting with people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to ask, um, for you, do you have any mentors in your life? Um, specifically any female mentors and do you have any advice for, um, someone just trying, look, looking out for mentors? Yeah. I think mentor mentors are such an interesting thing because I think especially as I was growing up, there was such a, an importance on having a mentor. Like this person was going to guide you through your career and open up doors for you. And I've found mentorship in my closest friends who might not be the most successful people on the planet, but I think everyone around you has some sort of advice that they can give you. And I've always surrounded myself with really creative people that are always inspiring me and pushing me. And I think that creative intersection with your friends is something that's really underrated. So I've had mentors here and there throughout like my different jobs. I wouldn't say I have one singular mentor right now and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. So I guess that yeah. my advice to people listening who are like, I need a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's not everything. If it happens and you genuinely connect with somebody and they see your success and they want to organically help you succeed and you see that in them, beautiful, like all the power to you. But I think mentorship can be found in so many different ways And I'm really grateful that I have found it in so many of my friends who have helped me grow, have challenged me, I've challenged them. And I think that it's important that we sometimes take a step back and like reframe the idea of like what it means to really help each other. Mm -hmm. And I just had a last question. Um, Where do you hope to see a friend of a friend in like the next whatever five years? I mean, I have a weekly talk show that comes out. Where do we think it's going? (laughs) I've always been so so excited by creating a platform where I'm basically a vessel for people to tell their stories. I remember growing up, there were not that many females on on late night TV or that had their own talk shows. And yeah. um, I think we're in such an exciting time right now where like all these different platforms can help us achieve that. It doesn't just need to be this like daytime talk show that's like happy and peppy. like. It can be a YouTube show. It can be mm. on Quibi. It can be on Instagram, IG Live. Like, I've seen so many incredible people be really innovative in that space. And I am really strict on myself in terms of like, I want to have a podcast for a couple of years and really perfect my craft before I do that. But Mm -hmm. I'm also really excited about hopefully going into that one day um, and having a place where I have a community that comes together once a week and we're telling them amazing stories and I'm making people feel seen and heard. Um, And especially as a woman, I think that that's something that um, we're missing. We're missing right now. Yeah. And I can't wait to see where you're at, even like the next years. I know that you're, it'll continuously evolve just starting from that blog to now the podcast. So yeah, I just want to th- story. I'm like, I hope people, 
understand where I'm coming from here. (laughs) No, yeah. So I just want to thank you again for your time. Um, I love your podcast. And for people who haven't listened to it, I highly recommend. Um, One of my favorites um, is her interview with Maggie Rogers. Um, She's an amazing artist. So I really um, enjoyed speaking with you today. That's one of my favorite ones too. So I really appreciate (laughs) being a fan and a follower and a listener. And I appreciate you a lot for having your own platform and bringing me on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, leave a review if you can, follow me on Instagram at wellnowatpodcast, and definitely check out Olivia's podcast, Friend of a Friend. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.